Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered at Liquid by Pastor Tim Lucas. Liquidchurch.com, living water for a thirsty generation. Now, we're live on the web. And Ferguson on the 17th. Oh, that's trouble. Nothing is lost with the full HD 1080p Aquas from the leading innovator of liquid crystal television, Sharp. You've probably been sucked into uh, some of the commercials that have been airing since Christmas. They're like, if you didn't get rid of all your money over Christmas, we can take care of that. <laughs> buy a flat screen, buy anything in HD. It's like they've got HD... Uh, Television HD, you know, internet connection HD. Um, this is like a commercial for like HD sheets at Macy's. It's like, what's high definition sheets? And they're like, oh, it's extra, you know, soft Egyptian smooth cotton. You know, everything is HD nowadays, and it's amazing because what started out as a high definition kind of ploy by the uh, electronics industry has kind of come to define a lot of things. I love that Sharp commercial where the guy, you know, the golfer hits the ball, and of course he's looking all over for it and in the rough, and no one can see it except for you who are sitting at home on your couch, right? And you can see it because you've got the crystal clear, high resolution, vivid saturation, sharpest focus, HD, sharp, aquos. You can't even fit it all in the box. Flat screen watching television. You're like, it's right there, you moron in front of you. Come on. Um, That's kind of a buzzword nowadays. You see it all over, right? Beyond HD flat screen TVs, you've got all sorts of of, of brands, and I remember the first time I experienced the power of high definition. If anyone actually seen a high definition television, you've seen one. Mike's kind of playing with, around with one over here, and you can kind of see there. It's it's a it's a pretty crisp picture. But the first time I saw one was last year at this time at the Super Bowl. Anyone watch the Super Bowl in high definition? Do you remember who was the halftime entertainment last year? Stop me up. Anyone remember the Rolling Stones? You're like um, I don't know some like middle aged guy from like New Jersey. I, um, the Rolling Stones were halftime entertainment, and I remember I went over to my friend Chris's house, and he had one of these kind of flat screens to go in there, and, uh, and I was watching that thing, and I was mesmerized, because you could literally see, like, every wrinkle <laughs> on Mick Jagger's face, and it went quickly from, like, an entertainment show to this kind of, like, horror show, like, a little creepy. Um, but actually, the deal with it, with, with high definition, is that actually it has to do with the number of pixels on the screen. It's interesting, the standard TV images that you've come to know and love over the years, they're called SD, standard definition, and that means it has about 300,000 pixels. Now, geeks who are here, you're like, oh, geek out time, yeah. Uh, I'll geek out with me for a minute. HD sets have nearly 1 million pixels, or individual tiny dots, which means one thing, the effect is stunning. You can view the same image at 10 times the distance and not lose one iota in diminishment of the image or quality in any way. In other words, the same thing that you view at two feet away on a conventional television, with HD, you can view that same picture 20 feet away and get the same crystal clear clarity and resolution, which means you folks in the balcony, you have nothing to complain about tonight. You're all cramped up back there. Show you an example. This is an HD television set, but first let me show you, well, Mike, I asked Mike to dust this off. We were talking at the, uh, the studio this week, kind of our staff were like, well, Mike, you got a new TV, but what were you using before that? And so I've got this thing. Take a look at this one. I'm going to turn this off for a minute, just so you can get a... It has excellent audio, as you can tell. Take a look at this sweet runner right here. Thought of Janice, how good-looking she was. He'd really have to rate to date somebody like her. These are classic tips... Yeah, enjoy that. Of dating and romance from the 50s, which was actually in Mike's VCR when he brought the TV in, which is amazing. You know, I looked at this thing, and I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, he, it even has here, you can see, kind of, it's pretty a sweet um, remote control there. It's like even put together by the masking tape. But now, if you take a look at this, if you take a look at actually the power of high definition, open this up a minute. Let's see if we can kind of bring this thing on. You can get a, get a, get a look at this. And even the balcony, you can probably see this well. It's 
great, Steve. Part of me wants to just scrap the message. Let's just watch the rest of the video. You know, it's just, just, just awesome there. Yeah, some of you are like, amen. <laughs> awesome, let's do it. Um, it's amazing, but a little bit of a difference. Colleen actually got me a high-definition kind of signal for Christmas, and it was kind of cool because um, I, I'm finding myself watching things I've never paid two cents of attention to before. Previously, I never used to watch basketball. I'm like a baseball, hockey guy, but now like... TNT has like HD basketball, and I watch this. I don't know any of the players, any of the teams, but I'm like, this is more real than real life. <laughs> That's the way I explained it to her. I actually changed nightly news channels. I used to watch like Channel 2 or like Fox, something like that, but now I watch NBC because Channel 4 in HD. I see you nodding right there, right? You're like, yeah, Len Berman. Yes, I've seen him. Uh, it, not only, but there's a handful actually of HD channels at this point. It's mostly sports and like nature. So I also find myself the oddest things happening. Colleen came down the other day. It was like after the news. She's like, "What are you? What are you doing down there?" I was like, "Ah, oh, just watching something." And she like comes down to see because like 12:30, and I'm watching like a documentary on Komodo dragons. <laughs> you know, like on the National Geographic channel. But it's like it sucks you in. It's a power of HD. Uh, Mike told me a funny story last night about it. He actually got a, a flat screen apparently in his, his household. And his little girl, uh, Maggie, who's about five years old. Is five years old, is that right, Tara? She, uh, she got, got the vomit virus. You, that's been going around, a few of you. You shouldn't have come. <laughs> You're to infect the rest of us. She had the vomit virus. And so Mike, like a good father, sitting on the couch with her this week, she's got the bowl right now, right here. She's like, you know, and he's just like, it's okay, sweetheart. But they're watching, you know, they're watching Cars or The Incredibles, you know, on the, on the flat screen. And he goes, and Maggie goes later, she goes, ah, she goes, so clear. That's <laughs> just like. <laughs> now, that's true. True story. You can ask Mike or, or ask Maggie, <laughs> you know. Um, let me make a parallel because this is not a Best Buy seminar, a Best Buy seminar tonight. <laughs> um, if your life were being transmitted through a television set, which one would it be? <laughs> I mean, which, which one would it actually be? It would be like this 20-inch kind of, you know, black and white. It's like it kind of runs, kind of has some focus, you know, and some resolution to it, but for the most part kind of, kind of blurry and kind of, you know, just kind of on autopilot there. Or would you say that actually I live with such high resolution, the utmost clarity in my life. I mean, when I get up, I know what this day is about, what I'm created to do, what my purpose is, where I'm going. See, my theory on this is that many of us lead lives more like the 20-inch, <laughs> black and white. Lives are kind of in and out of focus at times. We know what's going on, what our life's supposed to be about, what our purpose is. But most other times, just kind of, you know, muddling along. Fuzzy relationships, blurry spiritual faith, finances, that kind of flounder. So here's my question to you. What if God wanted more for your life than that? What if he actually were be, to invite you into high-definition living, where actually every day you woke with crystal clear clarity, you knew where you were headed, what your life was about, and you had a clear game plan for doing life God's way? Well, maybe 2007 is finally the year you actually upgrade to life in HD and bring clarity, resolution, and focus into all the areas that matter most. I mean, I think about my life, and there are a couple of areas I want to bring into higher definition this year. Take finances, for instance. Maybe you relate to this. It is two weeks now into January, and what's appearing in your mail? All the Christmas bills, right? You're like, oh, they're all coming due. And maybe you, you made a resolution this year to finally get your like, house in financial order. Like, like, okay, that's awesome, but like, what's, your, what's your plan for that? <laughs> and last year, Colleen and I actually finished off all of our old de- debts. That was like our goal, so we could live debt-free. Uh, you know, that, that was our, for, the, for the first time, and it was a big win for us. But to say we enjoy HD finances might be a little too optimistic. <laughs> you know, most of the time, my finances, the way I describe them, people are ish. We have, um, you know, a thousand-ish in the bank. <laughs> we owe 400-ish on our insurance and expenses. <laughs> I have a general idea of what comes in and what we spend, but it's a little like the black and white set. A little fuzzy, blurry, definitely not HD. But money's important. And it's one of the critical areas that Jesus talks about, actually, with more uh, repetition than any other area of the spiritual life. Money? Spiritual? Yes. And so one of the things we're going to do in this series is turn to the Bible to see if we can help you take a step this year into moving your life into high definition. Or take relationships. I'd like to think my marriage is, you know, high definition, but sometimes it's more like reruns of Married with Children, (laughs) you know, on the small screen. Finances, family, your faith. Question for you. Do you have a plan to grow spiritually this year? How about that? I mean, we all know the goal of the Christian life is to grow 
to grow into spiritual maturity, into Christ Jesus. That's why I'm guessing many of you are even here tonight. But the question is, do you have a strategic plan for that? Or does it become like a New Year's resolution? I hope I can grow and you're, uh, whatever, and then just back to normal. Or maybe you assume it's just going to happen. But you know what? Growth actually in progress doesn't happen naturally. If you want to bring clarity and purpose and focus to your life, it takes hard work and it actually takes a game plan. So that's what this series is about. High-definition living. Bringing razor-sharp focus and renewed resolution to the areas of your life that matter most. Now, here's the deal. Tonight's the first night, but this isn't a self-improvement series or a focus like on technology. If you're new to us, you need to know something. As a contemporary Christian church, we follow the teachings in life of Jesus Christ. That's why we say Christian church. Many of us here have put our faith actually in Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior. That means we're staking our lives on the conviction that he is the Son of God, the Savior of our souls, and that his word actually contains the best game plan for living in this world. And so our teaching actually comes out of the Bible. It's not the New York Times, you know, top ten list of how to, how to change your life or through more effort. But the recorded historical accounts of what God did in the lives of his people and what Jesus taught while he was on, the, on this earth. And it's interesting because um, in Jesus' ministry, he taught many, many things, but his entire teaching really flowed out of two high-definition statements that I want to kind of anchor our series on tonight. We're just going to look at two verses as the main thrust tonight. I mean, that's it. We're going to kind of dip our toes in the water. So let me invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. We have Bibles actually right there in the pews. They should be either on the side there, I think on the far aisles there, underneath, and you can pick them up and send them on down if you would. And I'm going to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 22. Jesus had a lot to say about high-definition living. And you might be like, wait a minute. They didn't even have cable in Jesus' day. No such thing as a flat screen. No, no. What I mean is that while Jesus used ordinary stories and illustrations to describe what a God-centered life looked like, there were two occasions on which he made what I like to call high-definition statements. That is, two times he spoke, Jesus spoke with such clarity and resolution that the statements left no doubt as to what he thought was central in life. Sometimes Jesus told stories that left people scratching their heads. Other times disciples were like, what did you mean? He goes, you don't understand? This time, these two times, he left no doubt. And this first high-definition statement of Jesus is in Matthew 22. We'll look at just verses 37 through 40, an excerpt, in fact, where it says, Jesus says to his disciples, he said, what's the most important commandment? One, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. How many of you have heard this, this passage before? You've heard uh, that statement before. Excellent. You've seen it on a bumper sticker. Good. <laughs> this is known as the great, anyone? Commandment. commandment. It's actually a pivotal moment in Jesus' ministry, kind of a showdown moment when Jesus was confronted by what the text says, an expert in the law. In the Greek, it's a nomikos. That's a religious lawyer who tested Jesus with a question. He said, teacher, you're a teacher, right? What's the greatest commandment in all of the law? Now, you've got to understand something. This guy's a member of the Pharisees. They were experts in the entire Old Testament, and they wanted to trip Jesus up. They had classifications for over 600 laws in the entire Hebrew Bible that distinguished the more important from the less. And so this is a loaded question. They say to Jesus, itemize, prioritize. What's the most important commandment? Bring it to high resolution. Be crystal clear, Jesus. And Jesus realizes if he highlights one, he's going to neglect another. So Jesus answers the lawyer's question with a trick of his own. And he responds by saying, here's the entire Old Testament in a nutshell. You want the cliff note summary of God's word, right? All the law, the Torah, and the prophets, all the other Old Testament books, can be condensed into two tasks. Ready? Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Two for the price of one. (laughs) Everything falls under that banner. Love God, love others. The rest is details. If you're new, you should know. We focus on this relentlessly in our church. You're a lot of blabbing about what faith is about, but love God, love others. The rest is details. The point Jesus is making when he gives this great commandment is pretty blunt, though, if you look at it. Life is not about you. It's first and foremost about who? God. Loving and serving him. And secondly, it's about loving on and serving other people in God's name. Sorry to burst your bubble, but that's the big idea. 
Everything else is pretty much details. And Jesus couldn't get more clear. I mean, this is pretty high definition. He says, all the law and the prophets hang like pegs on these two commandments. So the great commandment is the first defining statement Jesus highlights above everything else in his ministry. Now, flip over six chapters to Matthew 28. Because the second high definition statement is similar. And this also has its own phrase, the great commission. Yeah, Jesus actually makes a statement at the end of his ministry on earth. And these are his parting words to his disciples. And when he speaks to them, you intuitively realize that whatever Jesus, I mean, chooses to highlight as his final instructions probably were pretty important. <laughs> and what did he tell his disciples to spend their lives doing after he left? Let's, let's read this together. Let's read it together. I got it up here on the screen if you didn't turn to it. Ready? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to do everything I have commanded you. Now, scholars have given this the name, the Great Commission, which you see the word, what what word do you see in it? Mission in that. And the idea is, upon giving our lives actually to Jesus, we are actually enlisted into a mission. We actually co-share it with God. We become a partner with God of his mission to save the world. Now, we don't do it the way Jesus did. We don't save it by dying for the sins of humanity. That was Jesus' role. But as his followers, we're charged with the task of testifying to the truth and the power of that reality in our lives. That Jesus was who he said he was. That his death and resurrection cancels our sin. We have freedom now in our lives. We sang about it before. And new life in Christ is possible. And he says, you've got three tasks, really, in advancing that cause. Make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them. Teach them to do everything I taught you to do. The Great Commission. Now, it's interesting. That's it. If you take those two statements together, the great commandment and the great commission, you'll see that Jesus embedded in each of them the core focuses of the Christian life. I mean, a lot of people wonder. I mean, that's the age-old question. Maybe some of you are here tonight to answer that. What what is the purpose of life? It's the age-old question. What gives meaning to my days here on earth? Well, it's actually not that complex. Yet you do have to kind of pause and draw it out. So let's just take a moment to consider the five kind of focuses that Jesus highlights in these two high-definition statements of his. In keeping with the high-definition metaphor, let me call these channels. In essence, Jesus says, if you want to to tune yourself to the life of God, you've got to have these five key channels in crystal clear, high-resolution in your life. And he actually gives them in priority order. The first one is the first phrase of the great commandment. You can circle this in your Bible. You can circle it wherever you uh, have it in your notes. Um, Love the Lord with all your heart. And there's a word we use for that. Anyone? Worship. Again, this might be news to you. But your life wasn't created to be enjoyed by you. You were created for God's pleasure. First and foremost. What? Yeah. And when his children surrender all the aspects of their lives to God, that is actually called worship. That's why we call this, this is a worship service. And one of the tasks of a worship service is to recognize the power and the immensity and the goodness of our God. And saying, you know what, I am not him, but I am made in his image, made to do his work. And my God is a God of love. That's why we're singing. He loves me and I love him. That's my song back for who he is, for the gift he's given me in sending Jesus. That's worship. I mean, how do you love God with all of your heart? By worshiping him. It doesn't matter if you're by yourself or with 500 people or 100,000 people. When you express your love to God, you're worshiping. Earlier in Matthew, you don't have to turn to it, but Jesus says back in chapter 4, actually he says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And that's a high definition response that Jesus gives to the devil's temptations of him in the desert. And what does Jesus highlight first thing? What's he say? Worship. Worship comes before anything in the Christian life. Before service, see it? That is, before you go serving God or do anything for him, because some of you are like, oh, this is kind of a basic message. I mean, I'm I'm deep in the Christian life. I'm serving. I'm I'm, I'm using myself, and I I teach, and I... No. (laughs) Look, first and foremost, God is interested in our worship, and that's a corrective, because sometimes we get too busy working for God that we don't actually have time to express our love for him through worship. And that's why we place worship, David leads us, at the beginning of our service. Because it's first place. Not just because music is great and inspires us, but this is about God when we get together. When we sing, it's a, it's a profession of our love for him and giving him first place in this place and then everything else is supposed to flow out of that. But worship is also about more than music. Because the worship channel has to do with giving God first place in all aspects of your life. Psalm 34, um, the psalmist writes this, he says... 
Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And that sounds churchy, but, but you see that word there, magnify? Think like a what? Like a, a magnifying glass. That's what true worship does. In other words, it magnifies God and makes us smaller. <laughs> One of the reasons we come here on Sundays is to actually get a sense of, of reality. And the reality is, is that we are very, very small people. <laughs> now, if we pause and actually took a moment, oh my gosh, God gets bigger and we shrink. And that's reality. We're not center of the universe, no matter what the world says, no matter what Channel E says, the entertainment network. <laughs> God is the creator, and, 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 and to let him get him big, to magnify his name, that's the number one reality, channel one, worship, that's supposed to orient a high-definition life. Now, the second focus is, as you suspected, on others. You pick this up. This is a review for some of you. And the word we use to describe this channel is ministry. Does anyone know, you've seen, you know, the word like minister, like he's a minister of the gospel. Do you know what the word minister means? Translates into servant. In other words, your life exists to minister to people, to serve them in Christ's name. Ministry is just a a fancy way of saying, I'm going to demonstrate God's love to other people by meeting their needs and healing their hurts in the name of Jesus. So each time you reach out to serve the least, the last, the lost, you just love on them or care for them as Christ would, you're ministering to them. And Jesus says, this is real simple, even a kid can do it. Even a cup of cold water, Jesus said, that was given in his name. If you do that because you are my disciple, you will not lose your reward. So serving is central. There's no limit to the kind of ministry we're to offer friends, neighbors, and even enemies, actually. Spiritual care, emotional care, relational, physical needs, all are highlighted, Jesus highlights, as legitimate needs that people have. So channel two, tune your lives to the frequency of ministry to others. So in this first one, we've got worship and ministry, the two essential focuses that Jesus makes the Great Commandment. Now, click, go to the first phrase of the Great Commission to discover channel three. I know I'm moving along quickly here, but just work with me. This channel is called, everyone together, ready, begins with an E? Evangelism. Your life has a third purpose, and it is simply to communicate the reality of God to people who have no idea about it. The Bible actually calls us ambassadors, just like a delegate, like from the UN, like representing the country. I am here to represent Kenya. I'm here to represent Switzerland. We are here to represent the kingdom of Jesus Christ in this world. Now circle that word here, go, because it's a little word with, with two letters, but it's a huge deal here. Now, I don't drop a lot of Greek on you, but here's what you need to know, right? P period, P period. This is the present participle in the Greek text, and this is what it means. It'd be best translated as, as you are going. In other words, Jesus is saying, it's every one of my followers' responsibility to share the good news wherever you go. I'm assuming you're going places, I am going with you, and I have appointments for you. You're to tell the whole world of my coming, of my death on the cross, my resurrection, and my promise to return. And this task of evangelism is so central to life that Jesus actually gives us five great commissions. You can jot these down. We won't look them up. You can look them up later. But he actually restates the exact commission five different times in the Gospels and also in Acts. Father has sent me. I send you, for instance. And in each of those five places, Jesus commissions us to go and tell the world the message of salvation. And it may sometimes be with words, when you talk with a neighbor, or it may sometimes be with deeds. When in doubt, preach the gospel always, and if you absolutely have to, use words. In other words, could your life, the goodness of it, the quality of it, exude such a magnetism and a generosity that people would say, that, a normal person doesn't do that. <laughs> that that I've, I've never seen that before. Why would they give gas away like that? We're invited by God to be part of bringing people into his family. And you'd be hard-pressed to think of a more significant cause to give your life to. I want you to imagine this was the year that they discovered the cure for cancer. One person, man, in his laboratory discovers it. What would, what would he do? What would be the benevolent thing for him to do? To do, keep it to himself? Everything in his power to get the news out would save millions of lives. You've been entrusted with something even better. You have been given by Jesus the gospel of eternal life to share, which is the cure for heart failure. And so this is a central channel for a high-definition church, evangelism. This is an open-ended commissioning. As long as there is one person in the world who does not know Christ, we have a mandate to do whatever it takes to reach him. In Basking Ridge, to Morristown, to Manhattan, to Malawi, to the ends of the earth. Amen? Yes? Click. Channel 4, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. 
And this is where it gets weird. Because at first glance, you might wonder why the Great Commission gives the same prominence to, like, you know, the simple act of baptism as it does to the huge task of evangelism. I mean, baptism, you know, you know getting dunked in the water, right? What's the big deal? I mean, it's more than that. If you've been to a baptism here, you know it's one of the most special services we have, and we'll have another one coming up this, uh, this spring. But it's a public announcement that you're giving your life to Jesus Christ, and you intend to follow him for the remainder of your life. And baptism is a symbol. It's an identification with not just, the Christ, not just Jesus Christ, but the body of Christ. And that is called fellowship. In other words, as a Christian believer, you're not just called to believe. You should be a belonger as well. We always say Christian believers. What about Christian belongers? There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. Instead, Jesus says, you are to identify and belong to my family on earth and be members of my body. And so baptism is not only a symbol of salvation, but a fellowship. It not only symbolizes your new life in Christ, it visualizes your incorporation into his body here on earth. It says to the world, hey, this person in this duck tank behind us, he's one of us now. (laughs) Not to draw sides, but now he's on board with expanding the family of God. So when new believers are baptized, we welcome them into the family of God here at Liquid. You'll actually have a chance to do that later this year. We are, like I just mentioned, we're planning a baptism in, uh, over the next uh, few weeks here. And if you're invited, if you've invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, maybe that was something you did recently or over this past year or you're going to do in the weeks ahead, you should follow. He gives a command to go and be baptized. And you can do that, actually. If you, uh, you know what? Do you guys have your bulletin with you? I'm going to ask you to pull a few things out of your bulletin tonight. Pull this thing, this connection card out there. It's purple. Nice, nice color choice, Laura. Purple card tonight. And on the back of it, if you've never been baptized, and you're like, you know what, this is probably final of the year that I've got to put down roots and identify with a family of God, join a church. Oh, man, would we love to do that with you. We'd love to have you part of our family. It says, my next step today is, and it says, being baptized in 2007. Send me information about potential dates. So you, we'll, we'll send you some details about that. But that's an important milestone in anyone's spiritual journey. Because you're saying, I identify with Jesus, but also with his church. And if you're a new Christian, you're going to need brothers and sisters in the days to come because fellowship is central. You'll need others for support. You'll need them to pray for you, to encourage you when you go through rough times, and others are going to need you. Fellowship is a beautiful thing in the church. It says, you know what? You're not alone. You have God and you have family. That's fellowship. Now, lastly, Jesus says, teach them to do everything I've commanded you, right? Teach them. And that's really what we call discipleship. A disciple is simply someone who follows a teacher. And um, disciple simply means follower or student. So the penultimate goal of the Christian life, Jesus says, a court here, is to learn to become more and more like me in your thoughts and your feelings and your actions. So there's another part in the New Testament where it says, uh, be therefore imitators of God. In other words, it's going to take practice. You've got to imitate it. <laughs> So as a church, we're called not only to reach people, but also to teach them. After someone actually says, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I believe it. I'm giving my life to him. He or she has to be discipled. That's how you grow. That's how you mature in your faith. Now at Liquid, our primary discipleship tool is small groups. In other words, you can certainly learn here on Sunday nights through the worship and the message, hopefully. But you actually have to be in fellowship, in small group community with others, if you really want to grow intentionally. My guess is we probably have about 300, 310 people here. In between two services, that could be 600 people. The chances of you having a substantive, intimate, heart-to-heart conversation, me and you, Chris, right now, (laughs) are pretty slim. In fact, the chances of you sitting in the back row and actually saying, whoa, a lot going on at that church. That guy sure jabbers a lot. Cool worship. And then kind of slinking out to the parking lot, unnoticed, untouched, disconnected from anyone, is actually pretty great. (laughs) That's the problem with crowds. And that's why we have small groups. Because we say the larger our church grows, the smaller we're going to live. We're going to have six to eight traveling companions who actually know the real heart of me, who knows Rocco, who doesn't just shake his hand at the end of the service, hey, Rock, but actually knows him, knows his heart, knows the things he's going through, the things he struggles with, not for the purposes of of hitting him with a two-by-four, but to encourage one another because you can't go out there alone. We have inserted a postcard here, and I thought this just captures it, yeah? (laughs) How many years have you started like that? Like the turtle on the back, on his back, you know, just kind of spin him around on a shell, stuck? (laughs) 
If you look at the back of this thing, liquid small groups are organized around seasons of life. So we've got small groups for people who are in the middle of their life. They've got teenage kids. We've got small groups for single folks. We've got small groups for whatever you're interested in. If you take a look at it, we're going to have a connection night in just two weeks. And what that means is after this service, you'll be able to go downstairs and sign up for a small group. And it's not just because, hey, I'm interested in the book of uh, Ezekiel. Or I'm interested in the runner's group that goes running once a, once, once a, a week. That's great that you have a common, you know, um, something in interest. But more importantly, the idea is I'm committing to braid my life together with someone else's. Because I can't grow all by myself. I can read all the books I want. I can go to the, the messages. I can come here on Sunday night. I can listen online. But you know what? My head's going to grow, but my heart's going to shrink. Love has to have a recipient. It has to have a giver. And that's why we do small groups. Discipleship. Growing in Christ-likeness. We believe that actually life change has the best chance of occurring when you're with six to eight people, not six to eight hundred. This is a wonderful place to be inspired and encouraged for your year, for, for, the, for the week ahead. But not to grow in the hardest places where God wants access to in your life. Paul writes the church exists for this reason. He says in, in Ephesians 4, he says, So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's our focus. At Liquid, we focus on five. There are five channels in a high-definition church, and that is literally our vision, to be a high-definition church that brings God into crystal-clear focus for people who are far away from him. And we're going to do that by focusing on five things. Close your eyes for a minute. No peeking now. No, no peeking. Let's see what you can remember of this. Who can tell me one? Just call out one. Worship. After worship, love God and what? Love others. That's called ministry. Go and make disciples of all nations is evangelism. Together we enjoy fellowship. And to grow deeper in Christ is discipleship. There it is. Focus on five. There is virtually nothing we do at our church that falls outside of these five channels. If it does, we don't do it. (laughs) Whatever else your life is about day to day, Jesus says, regardless of what you're living for, what you do for a living or where you reside, Jesus says it's got to be about these five things. So we have a saying at Liquid, and it's one that I, I teach to all the folks at every membership class. We have a membership class coming up. Uh, this coming Saturday, the 20th. And our saying is this. We say, a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. Let's say that together. Ready? A great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church and a great life. It's high definition. And tune into all the channels and focus onto the five things that Jesus says mattered above all else. And here's where I'll close my Bible, because I have to admit, for the guy in the far back, I always think at this moment, what is he thinking? Because <laughs> I'm that guy. And I'm like, all right, good, let's pray. <laughs> no. This seems so abstract to me, doesn't it? I mean, the words themselves are kind of churchy, fellowship, discipleship. <laughs> I mean, how do these look in real life? I mean, that's great. Where do you even hear those words in real life? Let me give you a couple of snapshots from the past 10 days from my life and give you an example. Um, some of you know I just went on a cruise to the Caribbean with Colleen for vacation. That is actually our... Turn the lights down a little bit there, Steve. Can you do that just a tiny bit so we can see that a little bit more? That's actually the boat that we went on. It's the, um, it's the Zyderdam. We went on the Holland America Cruise Line. It was just an amazing time. Colleen's uh, folks gave us the gift of actually taking our children for a week. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. It was a wonderful time. We got on that ship, and we, and, we, and we took out, and we actually left from Florida. They lived down in Florida, so they arranged for us to just take off and, and, and go on. This, it's like a floating city. It's unbelievable. I gained about eight pounds. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, but we went out on this thing, and we had a great time. And, um, and here's the deal. I was a little bit nervous going on this thing. Because I, when I go on vacation, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm like a good vacationer. <laughs> I like totally check out, man. I am, like, out of it. I, I didn't do email. I didn't have my phone. I didn't do anything. And I have a, I have a history of also kind of checking out spiritually. <laughs> you ever do that? 
You kind of let your guard down. I mean, you can even like see it in our room. Like at home, like I'm fairly, I'm not the neatest person, but like when I'm on vacation, I am like Mick Jagger. I'm like the Rolling Stones. I'm taking towels and humming them all over, destroy the room, you know, because someone's going to clean it up. I don't have responsibility. I overeat, let out my belt a little bit. You know, I, that's kind of what happens. And at t- times, I tend to forget about God. I know it's kind of a, just kind of being honest with you. It really is. I know. You're like, <gasps> a pastor, you're paid to do that, though. <laughs> but, so I actually prayed. The first day that we went out on, on the ship, I prayed. I said, Lord, even though I'm on break, would you, would you give me an opportunity to, to be your man, just to, just to live out your purposes for my life, even while I'm on a beach sipping a rum punch? <laughs> Somewhere. I don't know. Lord, help. I, just, I, wanna, I don't want to just check out on you here. So we sail, and we go to this place called Half Moon Cay. And it's this beautiful kind of beach. That's the water. You can see that's actually our boat parked off that. And, uh, and, and, and I go snorkeling. Colleen like, kind of goes on the beach, and she reads. And I go snorkeling. Any, any snorkelers here? How awesome is that? It's like there's this amazing world underneath there. And so I go snorkeling out there in this, in this Caribbean reef, and all alone, you know, like, just with God. <laughs> and you're like under there and you're like watching these fish and it is, it's an amazing experience. It's, it's a borderline like spiritual experience <laughs> because you see some of the most magnificent things, you know, just like shimmering, you know, coral reefs, these tropical fish. I'm like, Nemo, Nemo, you know, and it's, it's, see them all. It's like, I, it's amazing. It's just amazing. So I'm out there in God and I'm like, God, thank you just for this chance to be away. Thank you just for a chance to unplug. You are an amazing God. You know, the sunlight coming through the water, the fish and everything. And I'm just watching this. I'm like, this is a gift from you, Lord. I thank you for this. This is a gift from you. And as I'm saying this, I, I see this part of this rock and the rock starts moving like this. And I'm like, what is that? So I'm like, you know, take my finger and poke and guess what happens? This tentacle comes around. I'm like, whoa, you know, almost out of the water. It was an octopus. Six inches, baby octopus, that big, about six inches. And I know because I poked it again. <laughs> and it was the most amazing thing because the octopus takes off out of this rock and he, and he wasn't fast because he's, you know, he's a baby. So he's like, you know, trying to get away. I'm like, oh no, I'm keeping up with you. I'm like, you know, I'm, I kind of got him in between my hands here and I'm like, well, maybe I could lift him out of the water. And as they start closing in, <laughs> he inked me. <laughs> it was like you broke a pen in the water. And this little black cloud of ink and everything. And, you know, I could see it wasn't like, you know, like scarring or anything. But it was just amazing. And I came back on the beach like breathless. I was like, I just, this is the but you got to come in. You got to And I was like, I'm going to come in the water now. No, I'm not going in the water. But I was like, that, that was amazing. So I get back on the boat and I'm just jazzed. I'm like, Lord, your creation is absolutely amazing. So we go and sit on the deck as our boat pulls away. And, um, and here comes a guy with, you know, the rum punches or whatever. And I'm, I'm like, no, 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 no. Where's my iPod? Because I am going to worship. This is an awesome moment. And I get my iPod, and I don't know what it was, man, but I was like, we're pulling out of here, and, and I can't imagine what I, I looked like. But I like, put on my earphones, and the boat's pulling away, and you know that scene in, like, um, in Titanic where Leonardo is like, you know, over the rail, like this? I, I, I put my iPod on, man, and I like, I like put my Chris Tomlin stuff on, and I am just like, I am just like, I'm like, I'm like, you know, how can I keep from singing your praise? You know, and I, I know I look that ridiculous because when I got down, like half the boat was just watching. <laughs> just watching. But I just, I like had to worship. It was like this moment was made, you know, for worshiping. And, and that's the idea. Worship. Anytime, anywhere, on a ship, in a car, in the shower, it doesn't matter who's looking or listening. It is the first priority of a high-definition life. And we are to grab those moments. Grab those moments and just let it, and let it fly. Lord, I love you. You have given me so many gifts. And I see you in your creation. I worship you. Now, check this out. Now, so I felt pretty good about it. I wrote my journal. I was like, Lord, I'm a worshiper. I work like that. Would thank you for that gift. So next day we're at sea. We spent the day at sea, and Colleen and I get some deck lounges by the pool like early on. You know, you put like towels on it. And I was like going to read this kind of like a novel and everything, but then I actually had brought another book along. It's called The Way of the Wild Heart by John Eldridge, which, anyone read that? Phenomenal book. If you read Wild at Heart, you, just as good, even expands it. And, uh, and so I'm like, you know, I'm going to read this thing because I, I want to stay tuned in. I want to grow. So I'm reading this book by John Eldridge, and he's talking about, and he's looking at the life of David. How David, as a young man who was becoming king, he said one of his fatal flaws was that he forgot he was a warrior. Remember when David had that affair with Bathsheba? And, and how it actually, the beginning of that says, at the time when kings go off to war, 
David remained in the palace. And I felt like God just kind of jumping that out at me. Now, you got to understand, I'm in board shorts and flip-flops, you know, with my, my swizzle punch here, you know, drinking this. I'm like, hmm, good point, David. You know, <laughs> let his guard down. So I'm reading this thing, and Colleen just nudges me. I go, hey, what's, what's going on? She goes, she, she has her magazine. She goes, don't look straight ahead. And I'm just like, huh? You know, you, you, don't say, you don't say that. And she goes, He-Man and the Plastic Princess. We had seen these people all week long on the ship. I think they were dating. Um, he looked like, do you remember um, uh, He-Man and Skeletor? Okay. He, lo- it was am- he was amazing. He was an amazing physical specimen. He probably had like, you know, 46-inch shoulders. I'm not going to make you stumble, ladies. But his narrow, you know, like waist and these chiseled-like abs. I'm like, all right, I'm putting my jacket on. You know, and he comes in there, and he's wearing, like, board shirts. And I'm like, oh, at least the guy's not flaunting it. And then, of course, he just goes this. He goes, you know, shimmy's down there, and he's got, you know, the, the just, I, I don't even want to say it. <laughs> you know, he's got the Speedo. He's got the Speedo thing, you know, going on. And that was, you know, all right, whatever, a little vain, whatever. The woman he had brought along. Now, this was ridiculous. This was, like, really ridiculous. This, I... I I saw him, and I had to look away, and Colleen goes, oh, my gosh. I go, stop. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even want to see this. This is ridiculous. You know when you, know, like you lay down, your body like kind of flattens out? This woman did not flatten out. <laughs> I'm not, uh, follow with me. I know. I'm like, whoa, hey, where are you going with this? <laughs> follow me. She clearly had, had some enhancements, and... Um, because Colleen kept telling me, she goes, look at that. She goes, that is, that is obscene. That is ridiculous. That is, I'm just like, I am not looking at this. She's like, would you just look at it? I go, I'm not looking at this. It was such a weird moment because she's like, look. I was like, no, I'm not looking. And, and because then I, I'm sitting there and I'm just like, no. And they sit right in front of us, of course. And so I'm just like, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm not. At the time when kings went off to war, David stayed behind in the palace in a place of comfort. And forgot that this was a battle for his heart. That this was about, could he remain faithful to God? And remain faithful to his wife in the moment when no one knew any different. Weren't expecting any different, because he was on vacation. So I say, Lord, I am making a covenant with my eyes. I am not looking at her, and I am, I am not looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what that's called? It's called discipleship. Living out and giving your thoughts and the inner attitudes of your heart and action over to God, whether you're in church on Sunday night or whether you're in the middle of a sea on a ship, because everything is God's, every aspect of your life. And it was amazing because I realized if I hadn't been filling my mind with, you know, with God's word through that book, it wasn't easy, but... It was an amazing moment. And I said, Kyle, I actually, I got to move. I'm going to go across the deck. I go, I'm, I'm going in the hot tub. So I go and get in, in the hot tub. I'm not a big hot tub guy, but I was like, I, it's too hot over here. I'm going to cool off in the hot tub. <laughs> so I get down into the hot tub, and there's one other guy in the hot tub. I'm like, oh, is this going to be weird? You know, I hope he doesn't want to talk. He looks like he's kind of chilling out. So I like kind of ease down in, and he's, and he's got glasses on, and he's like laying back like that. I'm like, oh, good, he's asleep. Maybe he won't even notice. I get in, he's like, first time on a ship? <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, actually. And, uh, and he's like, oh, dude, this ship is nothing compared to where I went last year. I went to Greece and Turkey. I was like, really? I go, I, I'm like, all right, well, I gotta, here we go. Uh, really? Uh, I heard Greece is beautiful. He's like, oh, it's not like Turkey, man. Turkey is, is the hidden gem of, of the Mediterranean. He goes, Turkey is the most amazing place I've ever been. I highly recommend you go there. There's this place called Ephesus. He goes, it's just awesome. He goes, they're, they're doing this archaeological dig here. He goes, they pull out the Temple of Artemis. It was one of the wonders of the world. You should go. And I'm like, where have Ephesus? Where have I heard this before? <laughs> I'm like, was that Car- it's cause Carnival Cruise Line goes there? Who goes there? And, um, and I'm like, wait, I, I've read, I, I know this. I read, a, I read a book on Ephesus. He goes, really, what book? I was like, it's, it's, like, it's a letter, actually, to the Ephesians. Uh, I, I go, actually, St. Paul uh, wrote about this. He goes, oh, interesting, interesting. Where's that? And I was like, well, it's in a collection of manuscripts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, that's interesting. What do you do for a living? You know? And, and I, you know, I gave it away. I was like, you know, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor. And I was like, but not like kind of a normal church. It's a very abnormal church. And, <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, you know, it's, it's just a, a place. We don't care where you're from, what your background is, what denomination. It's just a safe place to take a step back towards God. And he goes, 
That's, that's awesome. There should be more churches like that. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of ways you can talk with God. In fact, I just read this book, Conversations with God. It's a New York Times bestseller list. And it just opened me up that I could actually talk with God. I don't even really have to know him or really know his name. But I can just talk with him. And I got to tell you, man, it was, what's your name? I was like, Tim. And he's like, uh, Tim, it helped me with all the, and they said S-H-I, whatever, that's happened to me this year. All the crap, man. And I'm like, you know, I'm sitting in the hot tub, and I'm like, what, what, what happened? What, what's going on? And he goes, well, I've married, how long have you been married? I was like, uh, seven years. He's like, I've been married for 24. And this was the year she left me for another man. I'm here on the cruise with three kids. I got three teenage kids, one of them actually in their 20s. And... Um, Man, that book, that, that like, it helped, but I feel like, I don't know, kind of faded away. There should be something more. you have any books you could recommend? Written? I'm like, Ephesians wasn't bad, you know. <laughs> I, I actually told him about Wild at Heart. I, I, and I go, there's this book, actually, Wild at Heart. I go, I'm reading, it's in the second one I read in the series. And, 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 he, and, and he goes, what's it about, Wild at Heart? I was like, it's actually, it's about God's desire to use the wounds and the losses and the disappointments in your life to connect you personally with his heart and actually draw out your strength as a man. And he goes, what's the name of the author? John Eldridge. And he goes, wait here. And he gets out of the hot tub. And he goes, gets a scrap of paper. He goes, I want to write this down. i gotta, I got to check this out. I was like, yeah. And he spelled it out for him and everything. I was like, you probably get it on you know, Amazon and everything. So we talked a little bit more about some disappointments and wounds in my life and whatever. And then he had to go because his kids were like coming back from volleyball. And he goes, he goes Tim, good, good to meet you. My name's Dave. Uh, I'm from Seattle, actually. And um, thanks for that. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to check this out. That, that was, thank you. And I never saw him again. What's that called? Evangelism. The seed was planted, and God knew that Dave from Seattle would be in that hot tub. And if the posture of Tim's heart was somewhere approximating where God's heart is, tuned in, high definition, to his frequency, that all we had to do was have a conversation and be open. I don't know where Dave is. I've prayed for him. God's laid him on my heart. I prayed for him each day after that, after our encounter. It was interesting because on our final day um, that we left um, from St. John, um, we were headed back. Uh, we had been on land. We headed back to the ship on one of those taxis, like, kind of like a, you know what a taxi is like on the islands. It's like, it's like someone's minivan with a door ripped off, you know. And um, we're on this like taxi, and the guy in the, you know, we're going back to the ship, and there's a couple in front of us, and the guy actually is throwing up. And, uh, and we're like, oh, man, I hope he's, hope he's not at our table at dinner, you know. And... Uh, and the guy's thrown up, and, um, and his wife goes, well, he was, he was stung by a jellyfish out there. And Colleen's like, no, I'm definitely not going in the water. We had this thing going back and forth. And I was just like, you know, sweet, we should, we should, like, pray for him. But he's, like, throwing up and everything. And, and so I'm like, all right, Lord, you know, help this man, Lord. You know, I just, but I felt like God saying, no, you know, put your hand on this guy. Talk to him verbally and, and do this. I was like, no, no, I am on vacation. <laughs> I'm not doing this. And I started arguing, and guess what? Then we were at the hospital. And they got off. That's it. Missed opportunity. So Colin and I prayed for the, this couple, you know, later that night. And I said to God, I was like, next time, Lord, if there's someone, there's someone in need like that, someone has a physical hurt like that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out there and, 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 and do it if I have the chance. So check this out. We get back this week. Tuesday, I head to the office. Before I go into the office, I, you know, reentry can be a mother. So it's like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out to breakfast with God. I'm going to get my heart in the right spot here, you know. I want them to get the best of me. And so, uh, so I go out, and I stop by this, um, the Green Village Deli. It's this deli. It's this great, like, kind of, you know, it's like a deli right out by our house. I go there sometimes, once a week typically, for breakfast with nobody. I go, so I'm not inviting you. <laughs> um, I just go with God. I go with my Bible. I go to the journal. I just pray and just, like, have a good time with God. And, like, it fuels me up for the week. So check this out. I go this week, Tuesday this is, a few days ago, and uh, I spent some time in Scripture praying. I was like, Lord, what are you going to do with our church this year? I'm so excited by what you're going to do through our lives together. I'm so excited about this. And, um, and I go to pay for my order. And it's one of those places, you probably have a place like you go to this on Saturday for lunch or whatever. You know the like, guy who owns it, but you have no idea what his name is. And he could pick you out of a lineup a million miles away, but he doesn't know your name. 
You know, that kind of thing. And so I've seen this guy a million times before. And so I go up for my order, you know, to pay for my order. And, and I was like, oh, it's, you know, eight bucks, whatever. And he's like, he's like, hey, how's your kids, by the way? I go, oh, that's right. You saw my kids uh, back last year. I was like, they're actually great. We had a, they were great for seven days, I can tell you that, you know. <laughs> and I was like, how's yours? You have a boy, right? He's like, yeah. He's like, my son is, is good. He goes, actually, we're trying for another <laughs> uh, right now. He goes, but we're, we're kind of having a rough time. You know, we did, uh, we did in vitro, like, for our, our, our little boy. And we got to do it again. For our, for our second one. And we're just like, Phew. anyway, just having a tough time. I go, and I'm like, oh. I go, what, what do you mean, tough time? And he, go, and he goes, he goes, my wife has a brunt of it. He goes, it's easy for me. He goes, she has to take injections twice daily. I have to give her a shot in her rear end, a shot in her stomach. He goes, it's just kind of brutal going through it, but, you know, we just, we just want it to happen. And so I said to him, I said, um, I said, wow, it's like, you, you must, you guys clearly desire another child, right? And he's like, you know it, man. He goes, this is what makes me tick. Because when I come home at night and they're like, Daddy, I was like, I know what you mean. <laughs> and he goes, I just, you know, it just pisses me off, though, you know? It's like, why does God, like, I saw this kid on the news last night. She threw a baby in a dumpster down in Patterson. And here we are, working class people, working our butts off. And we got to go through this. Anyway, whatever, here's a change. I go, I will have that exact question for God when I get to heaven. What, what's your name? Marco, I have that question for God, too, because I don't know what to tell you, Marco. And, and he says, well, you know, I just, it breaks my heart to see what Holly has to go through. And so I go, well, you know what, Marco? I said, can I, I I'm going to pray for you, okay? I'm going to pray for you. He goes, really? He goes, yeah, I'm a pastor at a weird church. And, you know, I said, Here we go again. And so he goes, dude, that would mean the world to me. And then there were other customers, so what do I do? So what do I do, right? He goes, I am totally going to pray for you, man. All right, you got it, yeah. You got it, bud. All right. Out to the car. Out to the car. Headed to the car. I got the keys in the door. And I'm just like, son of a gun. <laughs> Here we go. What did I say last time? I'm, all right, you know what? Maybe, maybe next week I'll ask him how it's going. I get into the car. I start the car. And you know when you feel that little hook of God's spirit? He's just like, I'm giving you a chance here. I'm, gi- I'm asking you to do something. I'm like, son of a gun in my car. I literally say that. <laughs> turn off the car, go back in, and Marco, of course, is now with other customers. And so I go in there, and I go, hey, Mar- Marco. He goes, yeah, what, what's going on? I go, can, can I just talk to you for a sec? He's like, yeah, i, I got to watch the grill. What, what's up? And I just go, oh, you're going to make this hard on me, right, Lou? So I go over there, lean over the counter, I go, I'm going back to, I, feel, I was going to pray for you. You know what, let me just pray for you now. I put my hand on this guy's shoulder, and he was just like, what is going on here? <laughs> I'm just going to pray for you now. Pray for you and Holly. And it was like, Lord, give me the words. It's like, Lord, Marco and Holly, Lord, you know their desire to have children. Would you just bless them, Lord? Would you just, just give them peace? This is hard for them, Lord. And you know the joy the first child's bring. Would you bless them, Lord? Would you show favor to them, Lord? And just, I say amen. I open my eyes, and Marco's crying. Crying behind the grill. Man, never... See every every week, and he was like, "It's like thank thank you, I I, I don't know what to say, dude. You're like making me cry." <laughs> so I was like, "I know, I know, I know. I'll see you next week." You know, <laughs> I went out, you know, got in, got in my car, and uh, you know, and I hear, you know, just God's voice, and I and I, I'm just like, you know what that's called, by the way, ministry. I was the presence of Christ on Tuesday morning, to the guy who makes my egg sandwich every week. I was literally the hand of God in this guy's life. He felt someone cared, someone understood, and someone was interceding with God on his behalf. I mean, it's evangelism, too, because I'm also thinking, that, I should invite him to church. <laughs> but I knew one thing. This was the amazing thing. It didn't matter what happened in my life <laughs> the rest of Tuesday. <laughs> It's like whatever I accomplished at work, meetings, emails, sermons, whatever, I had accomplished the most important moment of the day by 8.30 a.m., because God had said, you're going to be my heart and my hands to this man, Marco, who I love. And I got to risk something to serve a friend in need of, of comfort and encouragement. And it just be Jesus to a stranger. And I'm not holding myself up like a perfect guy. You guys know, I'm not remotely. But I want you to catch this. All, not all five purposes. I couldn't come, I'm back because I need fellowship. <laughs> but four purposes in the span of one week, while on a cruise, in the middle of the ocean, not at church... <laughs> in a taxi on a beach, in a hot tub, and at a deli. You can live with tremendous clarity and focus 
on the things that God says fulfills the purpose of your life on this earth and bring true meaning to your days. And when you start living like that, saying, God, give me opportunities today to live out the purpose for which you made me, I promise you it will change things. It will change your life. I have like vowed with God, 2007 is going to be the year of high definition living for me. Tuned into those channels. And this, you know what? Lives are going to be changed because of it. My friends' lives will be touched. And I will be changed. As I live out of those five core purposes that Jesus said are central to your life, the God life on this earth. How about you? How about you? On my cruise, the one core purpose I was powerless to fulfill was fellowship. I was not with spiritual family. I missed you guys. I, so I really missed you guys. I found myself longing to get back here. And not just to like church, but to friends, you know? Like Wednesday morning, I had a chance to meet with a buddy, just to, just to you know, discuss life and pray together, just great stuff. Fellowship is crucial because if you want to live in high definition, you've got to have a spiritual home, brothers and sisters who are going to grow with you. Well, tonight, we kick off 2007, and I want to close this way, by welcoming into fellowship all of the folks who went through our membership class in 2006. We actually had over 200 people go through our membership class last year, and I want to invite you actually at this point, would you come to the front of the stage, because we're going to pray for you and kind of commission you this year. These are folks who've made a commitment, said this is my family, this is my spiritual home. I'm going to ask Dave Brooks and Mike Leahy to just kind of come up here to lay hands on these guys. And they've joined our church not because of what they're hoping to get out of it, but rather what they can give to it. In many ways, when you become a member of our church, it's like saying, it's like these people, wow, oh, (laughs) all right, awesome. Just come on up front of the stage, you can kind of gather in there. If you need to come up on here, fine. These guys, in essence, are saying... (laughs) My life is no longer my own. (laughs) Their life is going to be about God and others. About loving and serving God and loving and serving those who aren't here yet. It's not about me anymore. And that's an amazing thing, especially as we prepare to launch out as an independent, high-definition church this spring. Most of you are aware of our launch plans. We believe God wants to reach actually far more than just the the five or 600 people who are here on Sunday nights. And so our vision for this year is to add Sunday morning services to open up seats for all those people, those new people that God's going to bring to us, people like my friend Marco, and, and, and launch out from our parent church, Millington, and launch out on our own. And we're actually going to be moving out of this building this spring, and hopefully into a new venue that will open up more seats and allow us to host morning services, expand our children's, and establish a, a vibrant youth ministry. And so to prepare for that launch, this last fall, we established the Liquid Launch Fund. You remember this? To raise money to achieve our five-pronged mission to New Jersey. And the coolest thing is that God showed up in a major way, and he did it through each one of you, everyone. All told, God gifted us with $610,000. Through our, go God, go God, go you guys, go you guys. Through you. Through each of you, and I I can't thank you enough, and I cannot thank God enough. I came back, I just started thanking God. I'm like, worship, here we go. Because that is a sign of maturity too. When you sacrifice for something greater than yourself, and I know there were sacrifices. One gift of of $60,000 that was anonymous because they're not after recognition, but they said, this is discipleship. This is about me growing in the next level. Another gift from a college student of $500, and I'm like, 500 bucks from someone in school? It's not about the amount. It was about giving in proportion to what God you know, entrusted you with. And, and that's part of growing in Christ. And that's what you're doing. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for allowing everything you have allowed God to do through you already. I, I, I love being your pastor. I really do. I really do. And I can't wait to see what he's going to do with his whole church family in the year ahead. So would you, would you all stand with, with us and, and join us in welcoming our new members? And we're just going to pray for them. God, we stand amazed. And, Lord, I want to thank you for all that you did through these men and women, Lord. So many hours spent serving others, Lord, selflessly. Serving in the nursery, Lord. Serving with the children, Lord. Handing out bulletins, inviting friends, evangelism, Lord. Leading groups, being in groups. Lord, so much happens. And we don't want the busyness to crowd out the sweetness of a life with you at the center. So I want to pray, Lord, now for this year, for these people, Lord God, for lives of great impact. I ask that you would grow them, Lord, in a way that they've never, the depth that we've never seen before, Lord. Make them worshipers. Make them bold witnesses, faithful servants. Sweeten our fellowship together. Grow us into a true family, Lord. 
And Lord, we want to be an open family. We want you to add more to our ranks. We want people who have decided to give their lives to Christ Jesus because there's no better place to be than in the family of God. I thank you for each man and woman here. I thank you for each man and woman who isn't here yet and you're going to bring. Lord, bless the lives of these people. They're your servants. We're your children, Lord. We take our stand together and we ask for your spirit's filling for a year of high definition living together. In the name of Jesus Christ, all of his people said together, Amen. Amen.